Good morning, listeners. Welcome to the second episode of the Med Ethics Podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing the case of family opposition to organ donation despite first-person consent. Um, we're excited to be here with you again. We hope you enjoyed our last episode, and we're excited to do another one today. Um, Neil, would you like to... Oh, sorry. Once again, the cases will all be taken from the Center for Practical Bioethics. Um, this is the second case on there. The URL, as usual, for the entire case will be linked in the description, so you can read ahead, follow along, and just be more informed about the case in, in, in total. Okay, Neil, would you like to give a summary of the case? Yeah, for sure. So basically, uh, in today's case, we're looking at um, a male patient named JD, and he's a 25-year-old male, and he was in a motorcycle accident. He suffered some head trauma and had some neurological injuries from that. And uh, basically, in his current condition, he's in a really vegetative state where the doctors determined that he had less than a 1% recovery uh, or chance of recovering um, from uh, his current condition. And so uh, this case today deals with uh, the prospect of organ donation, something really personal. And we're going to uh, arise at some, uh, some problems and issues within the family consent and JD's consent. Uh, just with regards to organ donation as its intersection with religious beliefs as well. To outline that, uh, repeating, reiterating what Neil said, the family is religious. And one thing we need to point out is that the family is trusting in God's way and is deciding to take JD off of uh, tube feeding and life support. They're wishing him to, allowing him to die a peaceful death uh, outside of medical procedures. So... While they're trying to take off the life support, the nurse realizes that JD is an organ donor. And when the family's confronted about this, they, they see that there's, they have no recollection of having this discussion with JD or making this decision. And they wish for JD to be, um, they wish for JD to pass away peacefully without the surgeries and the tests that are required to determine suitability for organ donation and they're against this organ donation. Um, Neil, is there anything else you would like to add on to that? No, I think you got it pretty spot on, um, just for a quick summary. Uh, We'd just like to say too that something like organ donation can be pretty personal, especially whenever it comes to the religious beliefs. And so any opinions that Yeshirai are gonna be stating um, shouldn't influence any of your decisions if uh, you ever come to that situation. And we do completely understand the family's viewpoint in this situation. JD was already supposed to be taken off of life support an hour ago, according to the case study. But the suitability test for donations will take several hours with tissue samples, all kinds of things. And they don't want JD, who's at the brink of his life, basically, to be put through all of that. But there is one legal point I would like to enforce, um, according to the case study. It's called the Anatomical Gift Act. And just reading off of that, it states, in the absence of an express contrary indication by the donor, a person other than the donor is barred from making, amending, or revoking an anatomical gift of a donor's body or a part if the donor made an anatomical gift. So basically explaining what that means in this case, JD is the donor and he's already decided to make the anatomical gift. And since he he is absent in a vegetative state, the law basically states that the family is barred from revoking his anatomical gift. Yeah, I think that actually um, is a good segue into a point. So, yes, I'd want to know, uh, what do you think? Like, um, Also, I think it's a good point that we acknowledge that this is just a state law. Um, 
with the anatomical gift act it's not necessarily applicable anywhere else but um what do you think about uh just the organ donations in general should that be a family decision or should that be the individual's decision I think at the end of the day, family input is always important in personal matters and health matters and things like that. But organ donation is truly is a miracle and it has potential to save countless lives. So I feel like after you pass away and if you want to donate your organs that are from your body, that should be completely up to you. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, I think, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if our viewers would have had the same experience, but I've had experiences with uh, just knowing relatives who've had to be on a waiting list to receive like a kidney or, um, you know, different parts just for transplants. And they've had to be waiting for months just with their um, condition deteriorating like that. And so uh, especially whenever someone is uh, in this state that JD is in, I think whenever they would have asked, you know, what was the... Uh, uh, the procedure for if this was to happen to you, would you like to be an organ organ donor? I think we should respect his right that he understood at that moment in time that uh, he had not informed his family about that decision. Um, and I would actually like to come back to that a little bit later because I think there's a little bit uncertainty outlined by the case in his organ donation, but um, I definitely do support the points you're making, even if it's not like a heart. It, even if it's, I think it's in this case, it's a, what's he donating? I'm not really sure, but it's just organ donation. But mm -hmm. even if it's not saving lives, if you donate a kidney and it has a potential to take someone off of dialysis, that has huge positive impacts. That can be the difference between someone being bedridden and someone being out and about being able to live their life. Yeah, it's a life changer. Mm -hmm. And I totally do understand where the family's coming from though in those final moments especially if he's religious you wouldn't want someone tied up to all these machines having tests run on them for organ donation without having a peaceful chance uh, to pass away so um is there anything else you would like to add to that neil about organ donation as in general no i don't i don't think so i think we got it covered yeah going back to what i was talking about the uncertainty um we don't know if jd uh, willfully withheld the information about signing up to be an organ donor for all we know he could be he could have signed up for it involuntarily or by accident because according to the case study it says um, the backside is scuffed so it's so as to make eligible any signature or date that might have been there okay and he had not signed up for the online state donor registry and has no healthcare directives on file but just because his and just other than that the only proof that he's a donor is that his uh, driver's license says first person consent. So, and his family's not informed. I think there's enough cause to believe that he might have done it involuntarily or by accident just because of how many variables that are here that are not adding up. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, especially the, the fact that there's not any healthcare directives on there is kind of concerning. Um, because you would think that with something that is as personal as organ donation as well, that if you really were informed about the decision you were making, you would, you know, obviously have that on file, right? There's a lot of paperwork that goes into, uh, you know, something like that. And uh, also, I mean, medicine itself is so organized that, you know, at the end of the day, you'd be relying on just one stamp that may or may not have been put there intentionally on his driver's license mm -hmm. to... Uh, 
you know, that would end up going against his, the rest of his family's beliefs, if not his, if he wasn't informed in that moment. But in my opinion, at least, um, I respect the families and JDs if he did it involuntarily. Organ donation just has such a huge positive impact that even if it that even if it was done by accident, I would not want to take the chance that he was willing to do it, but didn't get the chance to. Because a lot of people, they're proud that they're organ donors. And just because of a mix-up like this, if you weren't able to donate your organs after you pass away, that could, that's, those are some pretty bad consequences. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, organ donation, transplants, these types of things have just, you know, changed, changed the whole field of medicine throughout the last hundred years. And so um, I, I think that this is just my opinion here, and I'm sure, you know, maybe Yesh agrees with this, but in any case, I would definitely vouch for organ donation uh, for anyone. I think it helps a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it's truly a gift of saving someone else's life or helping them get better, even if you can't make it. Um, I'm not saying that if you choose not to, you're selfish or anything. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's a, it's a plus if you do, of course. Um, I think, especially in this case, it really comes a lot, a lot more to the intersection of law and personal opinion here. Because, you know, at the same time, you don't want to violate any family's uh, religious beliefs or their right to religious beliefs. But the law at the same time off of the Anatomical Gift Act said that, uh, you know, the family would not be able to make that decision. Yeah, even as, far, as far as the legal part goes, I feel like this case is pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it's, definitely. The only discussion is whether he was actually a donor that was willing to do it or if it was by accident. But if he was willing to do it, it the law clearly states that they're not allowed to. Um, make decisions on his behalf yeah um this is pretty straightforward i mean you know even if he didn't know of the law at the time or any of these things the fact is that with his recovery rate being so low at less than one percent you know unless a miracle happened and he somehow regained consciousness and was able to regain his uh decision making capacity there would be no way of um you know still having the debate in that moment of whether he intentionally did it or, you know, didn't do it. I mean, you, you know, you can respect the, the family input, but at the end of the day, it was JD who got into the accident. It's his driver's license. And, you know, those were his decisions that he had to make. And those are his organs too. So, right. Yeah. Right. I think this is very different from uh, last week's case that we talked about because last week the patient was the dilemma was a decisional capacity. So, what we were talking about is whether the patient would like to go or would like to pass away on his own terms. And he was in decisional capacity, so he could make his choices against his family's wish. But in this case, JD is in a vegetative state with such a low recovery rate that even if he did want to declare to his family that he is a donor and he would like to donate his organs, he wouldn't be able to do so. So I think the only place we can rely on now is the law because there's no other objective way to make a decision in this scenario. Yeah, I 100% agree. And also, I mean, especially considering that uh, um, his head trauma was so bad, um, you know, after he, I'm assuming he would have to come into the ER, right, from his accident. And so it all happened quick in the moment. I mean, you know, they uh, stated in here that um, 
they got some relatives, like the family got relatives from long distances as well. So, you know, that's also proving us the effectiveness of the ventilator just keeping him alive, right? But you have to understand, you know, the ventilator can keep on working, you know, however hard, there's still no guarantee that in the next moment, even though everything looks okay, you know, a minute before, that, you know, nothing could happen to him. And so you're really working against time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And so I was just, you know, thinking that, you know, whenever you have to make such quick decisions like this, you have to resort to something like the law. That's why it's there, right? And uh, to bring personal opinion and all that into it, I don't think is the right thing to do, especially whenever you have to acknowledge that, yeah, even though JD was 25 and this should have never happened to him, it happened anyways. There's nothing you can do about it now, right? Mm-hmm. And we will make sure to dive into the utilitarian uh, calculations later into the episode. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're just discussing all the variables that need to be taken into account and just the complexity of the situation because it is pretty complex. Even though we keep uh, referring to the law, um, you need to think about JD's religious beliefs or if, it's, if not his, his family's religious beliefs and just his and just their love for him. If you or Neil and I had a relative who's on the deathbed, you would not that you want them getting tested on with a bunch of tissue samples and blood tests and all kinds of stuff just to deem if they're um, able to donate an organ before even passing away themselves peacefully. So I definitely understand where they're coming from and they are very religious and they want him, they're placing JD in God's hands now. That's according to the case study. So I understand their decision to not want him to be tampered with in those uh, precious moments, in those precious last moments. So, Right, it's definitely a lot different. I mean, um... You know, right now, Yesh, is I, Yesh and I, as a kind of third-person uh, parties, we're looking at it from a very objective standpoint while still trying to, you know, understand both sides. But at the end of the day, whenever you are in the moment and you're having to witness that type of trauma that your loved one is undergoing, it's a lot different. And people react differently like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, and I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go I ahead. I think one case we need to consider is that if JD is not even suitable for organ donation after the tests are run, so like if if all the tests are run it um regardless of what the family says and they're going against the family's wishes and run all the tests and then he's proven not to be suitable for organ donation then that's just going to be pain for unnecessary reasons there's going to be no positive there for all the pain that the family went through yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, especially considering that at that point, you're just going to be keeping him on a ventilator for the next few hours to get some tests back that still don't guarantee his uh, decision to be an organ donor. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's a really personal thing um, at that point. And there's not really any right decision you can uh, you can make, right? It'd be really easy if just everyone, uh, you know, could get a test in you know, two or three minutes and just come back and have it right then and there. But that's, you know, we're just not at that level yet. I think there is a right decision to be made here. I'm, I just don't think there's a decision that satisfies everything that needs to be satisfied. Yeah, know? yeah, because, I agree. Uh, and we'll talk about that more when we talk about the most optimistic decision uh, when we do the utilitarian calculations. But um, let's see if there's anything else we need to discuss here. Just uh, running through the case file. Um, the registry, yeah, we uh, went over that he's very religious. So, would the 
family, I believe they think that the ventilator and the tube feeding system is unnatural and not in God's way. So they wouldn't right. want him on there for any period of time, regardless of the do donation, correct? Yeah, that's definitely right. It's what they said. Um, I don't know. I mean, I understand that. But, you know, in that moment, whenever he just had an accident, you have no choice but to do that. And, uh, you know, I think I think you not to contradict with their beliefs at all. But, you know, things like ventilators or the tube feeding system, all of these are revolutionary medical devices, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we need to respect that at the end of the day, you know, if JD, we don't know if he passed away or not, but that ventilator is what's giving him, you know, even if it's less than 1% fighting chance, miracles do happen, and that's what's even giving him a chance, right? And I think that they should respect that and just know that the, the doctors are, are, they're not trying to contradict their religious beliefs or um, not respect them. They're just trying to do what's best for the patient in that moment. I think, I'm actually surprised we didn't discuss this aspect of consent in this case until now. So JD is in a vegetative state on tube feeding and ventilator, and he has a meaningful recovery percentage of less than 1%, but that percentage is still there. Does the family even have the power of consent to... Uh, decides to take off JD's life support system? I think it's only there because he's in the vegetative state. That's the problem. I mean, you know, unless there's protocols, I mean, actually, people do have protocols where, you know, they say that if you have to put me on a ventilator, then, uh, you know, let me go, right? They do that before surgeries, things like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. However, in something where he's so young, I mean, you know, you don't, the majority of people don't go in planning for this type of stuff right exactly you know for all you know he could have you know, had a normal day and was coming home from work something like that and then suddenly this happens just like that and so uh you know it's really informal and it's really sudden and so you don't really you're not worrying about consent at that time right yeah i agree but it's just whether it's whether it's the family's decision decision to make to take him off of that support because I agree, there's JD can't make that decision for himself, obviously, at this point. Mm -hmm. But who else is there to make that decision other than the family? But I would I would leave it to the physicians. The physicians? Oh, you mean like assessing the percentage of recovery and seeing whether it's whether it's um, w whether it would be apt to keep him on life support? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, for the for the for the doctors and people treating him, I mean, you know, we have to understand, you know, going back to the Hippocratic Oath that uh, we discussed in last week's episode, the physicians are supposed to go in, you know, with the patients unbiasedly, and their only goal is to provide the best quality of care they can uh, to the patient and give them the best fighting chance of living, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think... Uh, you know, even though the family, I'm not saying that they lost hope, even though less than 1% is extremely small, but it should be up to the physicians at that point, you know, to at least keep him there for a little bit longer, assess him, and then advise the family on, you know, what from the medical viewpoint would be the best decision to make. Um, I think, I think we're getting confused a little bit because his chance of recovery is said to be less than 1%, but even if he does regain conscious consciousness, he's still going to permanently remain in a vegetative state. Yeah. That's yeah. after he recovers. So even after recovery, his quality of life is drastically diminished. 
And you have to take into account that the family might not want to see JD in that view. And if there's a strong believers in God, they might want him to go God's way. Or some people believe that he might go to a better place with a better life if they just let him pass away peacefully. Yeah, that's definitely true. But at the same time, I mean, you know, in the in the case that JD does regain consciousness, it's always better to hear it from him rather than the family, right? About what he would want to happen. Even if he does regain consciousness, he's going to be in a vegetative state. So he would not have the decisional capacity to determine whether he still wants to donate his organs or not. I mean, that is true, but I still think that the the doctors, whatever they decide is best, should be given more preference than the families in this case. Hmm. I think this is their first disagreement on this podcast. I yeah. think I think the <laughs> physician yeah, we're basically two sides of the same coin. You're saying the family input should be taken, but the physicians make the final decision. Yes. I'm saying the physician's input should be taken, but the family should make the final decision. But I definitely do see where you're coming from because physicians are highly trained and they know exactly what they're doing. And they're the ones that make the diagnosis, the prognosis. They know the chance of recovery. So it would make sense for them to be the final decision makers. But I think in something as personal as this, especially with even with recovery with such a a low quality of life, I think the physicians like, yeah, the recovery rate is said to be less than 1% should be taken into account. But if JD is never going to be the same again, and if he's permanently going to be in a vegetative state, I would let the family decide due to their religious or personal re- uh, reasons whether they should keep him on life support or not. Yeah, but I assume that the uh, I assume that the physicians would understand that. I mean, they're dealing with you know tons of cases like this a day, and their duty is to inform and to be unbiased. And so, obviously, I think the family's religious beliefs do play an important part, but they were not informed of you know JD's you know conscious or unconscious decision to be an organ donor either. And so I think that uh, the only reason why in this case specifically I would give the doctors more preference is because they're looking at it a lot more objectively, right? And so, you know, yeah, the families, uh, you know, right, should be respected as well. But, um, you know, whenever the, uh, um, I forgot which one of the staff it was, but they were uh, talking about um, a representative from the hospital uh, who wanted to, just sit down and talk with the family about the organ donation. You know, they just said no and quickly went out. I understand that that is, you know, a high pressure situation, but you have to have some willingness to, you know, at least hear the medical approach um, for, you know, organ donation or treatment or any of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think in that, in that case with the patient who's in this state, it's just hard to make any decision regardless about that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's I can sure. see why they would be so unwilling to um, to let JD be an organ donor. But there was something I was going to say. <laughs> I think I might have forgotten it. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add? Um, I think uh, uh, one thing which um, I think I recognized was just that uh, the family's beliefs, I think, uh, I think they are important as well. But I think in anything, especially the way the world is now, and you have people who you know need these types of organs and transplants, you should give everyone a fighting chance. That's all. Okay. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree. Um, I think we've covered almost everything about like the 
specifics of this case. And if you're ready, I think we can do the utilitarian utilitarian yeah. calculation at this point. Yeah, I am. So you want to tackle positive or negative this time, Neil? Uh, let me take the negatives. Okay, I'll take the positive. So That's the good. positive in this case is basically just an organ donation that's in the case that the suitability test does uh, come back positive and JD is suitable to be an organ donor and then the organ donation is um, is going to be a positive. In this case, I think at least that's going to be the largest point value, whether it be positive or negative, because organ donation is just such a huge impact on the person it helps. So do you agree with like how large the magnitude of that point value should be, Neil? Yeah, I do. You. Um, do you want to go ahead with negatives? Yeah, so um, negatives, obviously, JD's oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I think there's another positive. It's the uh, Uniform Anatomical Gift Act. So one positive would be following legality. So that would be a much smaller positive, but it still is there. So sorry about that. Go ahead, Neil. Oh, no problem. Uh, yeah, I was just saying that um, the negatives was a... Uh, um, JD's quality of life, no matter what, is always going to be, you know, monumentally lower, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely a negative. Um, regardless of what happens, you know, even if they, uh, you know, they have to do the tests on JD and stuff, they're going to be going against what the family wants for him. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they're not giving them that uh, peace of mind uh, that they have to come to terms with their son's death at the end of the day. Um, some more negatives. Uh, I, I think the intersection of law and religious belief is one that's just going to make it more sentimental for the family to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, yeah, those are all the negatives, I think. Unless I, think I, another, I think another negative is if... Um, I don't know if this would be an added negative. I just don't think there would be a positive. It would be what we discussed earlier. If it turns out all those tests were done and he's not a suitable organ donor, you would have all those negatives without the huge positive of organ donation. Um, and not to sound objective or even um, uh, indifferent to JD's condition, I would just like to say that life support machines and these tube feeding machines, those are very expensive and those are in shortage in all healthcare systems. So if the family's wish is to place JD in God's hands now, those machines and those resources could be used for someone else who does have a chance of recovery and who would not be stuck in a vegetative state. Um, I don't think that's the most compassionate or the most um, most personal reason for this, but I think that definitely does exist. Yeah, that's a great point that you brought up right there. I mean, uh, you know, for all you know, in the same hospital, there could be someone either waiting for an organ donation um, who has been informed, hey, there's someone that, you know, this happened to, but they are an organ donor, something like that. But, you know, uh, especially now, I'm not... I'm not sure their timeline here, especially now with COVID, you know, as well. You have so many people who are undergoing, uh, you know, such depriving uh, conditions and they're deteriorating so rapidly. And so things like this matter a lot to them, whether they have a life support machine, you know, they're on a ventilator or not, if there's even oxygen to support them, that type of thing. And so I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, it really depends on the situation, but there should be an element of, you know, just being the good Samaritan or good neighbor and just trying to help people, even if your loved one, uh, you know, can't be saved at that point. And with that, with the calculation of the ethical discussion, I think we're finally ready to make our 
uh, final decision. So it's decision time. We're going to do it off of the questions for discussion on the case study page. Number one, what ought to happen next on what moral grounds? So Neil, if you would like to go first, and then I will say what I believe in. Okay, so, um, you know, after we evaluated everything, uh, I would say the next steps would definitely be, uh, you know, just going off of the law once again. I think they should be able to run tests on JD and uh, just see if he is applicable for organ donation. And if he is not, then it should be the family's decision what happens. However, if he is, I do think they should respect the fact uh, that he is a registered or he is an organ donor and, uh, you know, they should do whatever is necessary. And then um, whichever means the family would like to see him go would work for them. I completely agree with you. And moral grounds, I would say just the huge utilitarian positive of organ donation, even if the suitability has such a small chance of JD being a suitable organ donor, donator, I'm not usually sure what the percentage of that is, but even if it's a small percentage, just the chance of being to give an organ donation with that much positive impact, I think that outweighs everything else and it's on the side of the law. So I think respecting the family's wishes and I know they have to go through a lot of pain to, th uh, to go through with this, but I think I think they, he should, JD should be able to take the test for organ donation. Yeah, I 100% agree. And this is just, you know, this is coming regardless of what, you know, Yeshra's personal opinions are. I think uh, one of the biggest things that you have to maintain whenever we evaluate these cases is obviously to understand both sides. But at the end of the day, when it comes to making a decision, it should be unbiased and, you know, based solely off of the rules, law, and, uh, you know, what would help other people as well. Yeah, it should, should be based on utilitarian uh, utilitarian calculations if you believe right. in that ethical theory but uh, philosophical theory sorry but actually another thing i would like to drive home uh, not drive home but i would like to strongly encourage is signing up for organ donations obviously it is your choice at the end of the day and a lot of people uh, choose not to do it for religious beliefs and i completely respect that but there are people in need of organs all kinds of organs every day and that could be a life-changing donation so I'm only 17, but I'm already, uh, and I've already signed up to be an organ donor, and I encourage all the listeners to do so as well. But if you do not, and you have beliefs that go against it, I completely, I completely understand. For sure, I 100% agree. Um, you know, an organ donation could change someone else's life, even though, uh, or actually, you know, it could even change yours if it ever happens to you. Um, and so I think at the end of the day. Uh, we have to understand that, yes, whenever doctors come in and look at patients, they are being objective. But at the end of the day, medicine is a you know very humane field, and so uh, you know just recognizing that a patient is a person at the end of the day still, um, there's just a level of compassion we need to maintain and professionalism at the same time while still uh, uh, coming to a decision that would hopefully uh, concur with the best interests of everyone. Exactly. Um, I think it's time for our recap or summary. Um, there's not much to restate. It's just the positive impacts of organ donation overwhelm all the positive po potential negatives that were that could be there. So I think Neil and I both agreed to let JD run through the test regardless of, not regardless, but even though considering the family's pain. 
and the uncertainty behind the sign up. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for tuning into our second episode of the Med Ethics Podcast. Please message us if you have any questions, concerns, or dilemmas you would like to like us to go over. Um, Neil, is there anything else you'd like to add on? No, I don't think so. Um, actually, yes. Uh, what is the case we're going to be covering next week again? So the case we're going to cover next week is actually a pretty short and sweet one. It's called Disagreement Over Advanced Directive. So if you go to the Center for Practical um, bioethics you can look at that in advance you can see what you think about it but we will be here we will be back here again talking about that one we hope to see you there too all right everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode of med ethics and don't forget to stay epic